Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If you would turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. title of my message is The Fire Extinguisher. The Fire Extinguisher. And you say, man, how are you going to preach a whole sermon on fire extinguishers? Watch me. <laughs> you say, who is the fire extinguisher? I don't know. It might be you. It might be your church. But uh, we don't want to be this fire extinguisher I'm talking about here. And um, it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19, and I'm just going to take one little part of that, one little phrase that Paul, Paul has this young church in Thessalonica. He's just went through on his missionary journey and he's writing back to him to encourage him in the faith. And um, he says this one little phrase here. It says, do not... Quench the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Now quench. Let's pray first. Heavenly Father, right now, Lord, I pray that you would animate, Lord, these words off of this page. Lord God, I pray that you would speak to hearts. Lord, I would pray that you would reveal, Holy Spirit, your word to hearts today. In your name I pray. Amen. Now, quench is an interesting word because we just don't use it a whole lot, right? We go get a drink of water, maybe the only time we ever use the word. And uh, we may say that that quenched my thirst, but we don't really think about what it means. It means you were thirsty and it completely got rid of your thirst, right? Um, We don't often say when we put out a candle that I quenched that flame or I uh, stifled that flame or I put out that flame. And so this word, you have to really apply yourself to understand what it means. Somebody is putting out the fire of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to get all kinds of ideas about what that means from people that are listening. Because everybody has their idea what the Holy Spirit is, and what the Holy Spirit does, and what the work of the Holy Spirit truly is. But um, I've got a couple of different versions here to help bring out the word just a little bit. New, Inter- New International Version says, do not quench the spirit. King James says, quench not the spirit. New Living says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Uh, Berean Study Bible says, do not extinguish the spirit. Contemporary English says, do not turn away God's spirit. And Good News Translation says, do not restrain the Holy Spirit. And so there are lots of different words here, all trying to give you an understanding of this Greek word. And the Greek word's kind of hard to pronounce. It's spin numen. Spin numi. That's what it is. Spin numi. Took me a while to work on that this morning, the phoenix. Spin numi. And the only word in our uh, English that we kind of get from that is the word, and I know it's odd, it's asbestos. And you know how you have the S and the B there, asbestos? They put an A in front of there, and it basically means that material, um, the fire, won't, it won't be quenched by fire. Okay, and so this Greek word literally means a putting out of a fire. In fact, it's used eight times in the Bible, and um, the Greek lexicon says it means to extinguish, quench, 
um, especially meaning of things that are on fire. Um, it says to go out, uh, metaphorically to quench, to suppress, to stifle, um, especially of the Holy Spirit, a verb. So you know what a verb means, right? Verb means an action. So this means, and you say, wow, can you really preach the English language? Yeah, I can. You're performing an action of putting out or extinguishing the Holy Spirit. That would be a fire extinguisher. And so what Paul is telling the terrible pagans of Thessalonica Somebody correct me here. I'm making sure everybody's following. He's writing to the believers, not the pagans. He's writing to the church that he planted there, that's serving the Lord faithfully. He's saying, don't be fire extinguishers of the Holy Spirit. And again, everybody's saying, oh, I know exactly what that means. Let's strip ourselves of that knowledge for just a moment. Okay, because there's ideals. You say, well, I like my ideals. I know the Holy Spirit because I own the patent. Can I tell you something this morning? You don't own the patent. I don't own the patent. The Word of God talks about the work of the Holy Spirit. And we need to throw away every ideal that is a human ideal about the Holy Spirit. And we need to find out what's the work of the Holy Spirit that Paul is warning them, don't extinguish it. And it's not one thing. The Holy Spirit does a lot of things in a person's life and in the church. And God is saying, don't be a fire extinguisher. Because God wants you to burn on fire for God. And anything you do that quenches the Spirit, and you say, well, that's just talking about This or that. No, it's talking about the work of the Holy Spirit completely. And so I won't even be able to cover all of His work in this message, but I'm going to try. And God says, don't quench the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing. There's a flame that's inside of us as believers called the Holy Spirit. Bible says, uh, in fact, the example we have in the Old Testament is a place that's called the tabernacle. Okay, and in the tabernacle, there was a holy of holies. And God said that that fire that led them by day or by night and the cloud by day would rest right there. And it was a symbol of God's presence with us. It was a symbol of the Holy Spirit leading and guiding our lives. And the Bible says that that tabernacle is us. And the Bible says there's a Holy Spirit that's not in a tabernacle anymore made with man's hands. It's within us. And it's a fire that burns eternally. And if that fire is snuffed out, you don't have life. If that fire burns down, you have no influence. And God is saying there's a fire that burns within us. And you say, well, that fire, let's look at the symbol for a minute. It was just, it was for the Jews. They gathered around, but wait a minute. You begin to go to the holy place and you spread, you go walk back just a little bit. Well, that fire was also in the 
It was, it, it was for the court of the Gentiles. And then God says it was for all the nations. It wasn't just for the people of Israel. His presence was there for the nations. He wanted every nation in the world to know Him. They would go into that holy place and they would, the very presence of God was there. You could ask God anything and God would speak to His people. God had a presence that led and He guided them and God wants to lead and guide His church. God wants to lead and guide His people. But the problem is, we keep stifling the work of the Holy Spirit in a, in a hundred different ways we do. And what God wants us to do is not extinguish the Holy Spirit in our life because that fire is in us and it's for the nations. It's for everybody that lives around you. It's for everybody that walks into this church. It's, a, it's, it's for everybody that should walk into any church, but there are a lot of churches that have extinguished the fire. Or what the Bible calls strange fire. Meaning that's not my fire, it's a fire, just not me. And so God wants us to be very cautious in how we deal with the Holy Spirit's relationship with us and how we, how we, um, how we tend to that fire. God wants us to be a fire that is of Him. He wants us to be a fire that burns bright. He wants us to be a fire that burns into revival. He wants to revive us through a real move of the Holy Spirit. So I began to write down some of the works of the Holy Spirit, and I just want to ask you the question with each one, have you been an extinguisher? Have you been an extinguisher? And I, and I just, uh, we were sitting in a Bible study uh, Wednesday night with some leaders, and we were studying the book of Acts, and I told them before we started, I said, you know what, I feel like, We've studied the entire Old Testament together. We've spent a great deal of time studying very deeply and training and working and raising up leaders. And I said, you know what? We went all the way through the Old Testament. I mean, we went through every prophet. We went through every wisdom book. Taught them everything all the way up to that point. And I said, we've we've studied the Gospels. I said, you know what? I just feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me we've done all that to be here. In this book. And we began to have a prayer meeting about, about the move of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I, when the Spirit of God comes upon me, I just I begin to examine my motives and my beliefs and where God's been leading me and say, you know, Chad, are you listening to the Holy Spirit or are you doing your own thing? And you say, wow, yeah, finally... You're facing the music of, uh, you're doing your own thing, Chad. I knew it all along. And you know what? I went home and God told me, Chad, you're going exactly where I want you to go. Your timing is impeccable. You say, well, man, that's awful. I wish God would have really cut you down to size. But I want to be led by the Lord. And being led by the Lord... You have to understand the timing of the Holy Spirit. In fact, you ever heard revival, uh, said, it's said to be waves. And you know what, I can't swim, but I, I've noticed the surfers, they kind of look for that wave. They look for the right one, and then when they see it, they, 
Jump right on top of it and let it ride them right in. And God is doing a work in this church. He's preparing us. He's leading us. He's guiding us. And God wants to do a work of the Holy Spirit. And inside of me, I, and I said, God, what is it that I've done that I've heard you? And he said, you remember what I showed you when you walked into the church, that prayer room? I said, yeah, I remember. He said, remember how your heart leapt? How excited you got and how you knew that was the place you wanted to be? And ever since that day, you've been dreaming about it? And he said, Chad, you're about one offering away from finishing it. And God's going to do a work in that prayer room that is not going to extinguish the Holy Spirit God said, protect it because I'm going to begin to move in that place. Protect it the way I, I, want to be, I want people to begin to know the Holy Spirit. I want them to begin to hear their voice. I want to begin to shatter, get this, and this is going to be both offensive and a blessing. I want to shatter their ideals of who and what the Holy Spirit is. And you say, well, is he going to do it like he did it at such and such time? No. He's going to do it the way he wants to do it. And he's going to begin to move in people's lives. But let me get to this. Let me get to the first one. I, I didn't know where to put this one, actually. God said, do that one first. I put it toward the end because I knew it would be the most offensive work of the Holy Spirit. So I said, God, let me put that one at the end. One of the works of the Holy Spirit that scares people away you say, oh, good, he's going to talk about uh, emotion. No, that's not it, actually. Conviction of sin. The Holy Spirit is like a consuming fire. And as you begin to, uh, um, begin to interact with the Holy Spirit, one of the first things you notice the Holy Spirit doing is saying, hey, something's not right. And he wants a relationship with you. He wants you to have a relationship with God. But we're holding on to all these old things. We're holding on to all this sin. And we say to ourselves, no, I don't want anything to do with God because every time I go to a church, I feel convicted. Or I'm going to go to a church where I don't feel it at all. And what God's saying is, that fire is a wonderful thing. That Holy Spirit inside of you is drawing you to God and you're scared because you don't want to let go of something that's inferior to what God's trying to give you. God wants to bless your life. God wants you to have great things. God wants you to, God, God wants to take away depression. God wants to take away addiction. God wants to take away all the things in your life that are harming you and that fire of conviction is the first thing you notice with the Holy Spirit. And He's drawing you and He's saying, Come, let's reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. And the Holy Spirit's just drawing. And you could see the people in the book of Exodus. God was drawing them to that mountain there. And it was mount, the mountain had the presence of God on it. And God was uh, there and, and they were scared to death. And they said, man, I don't know if I can entrust myself to that God because I'm scared. And I'm so bad and I've got so many sins and I've got so many things. And God and the Holy Spirit tells you, bring him. 
Come just as you are. Come with your addictions. Come with your attitudes. Come with all the sin that you have in your life. And I will make you white as snow. You say, well, how can he forgive me because I might sin again? Do you realize you just explained 100% of the people in this room? When I raise my hands on a Sunday morning, it's not because I'm without sin. When I raise my hands on the Sunday morning, it's because I've received the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit says, you're clean, you're sanctified, you're mine, you're holy, you're mine. And so guilt doesn't have a part of my worship. Condemnation doesn't have a part of what I do on Sunday morning. Because the Holy Spirit is telling me, you've been redeemed. You've been forgiven, Chad. And so I can raise my hands. Now what happens if I extinguish that fire of the Holy Spirit? Well, number one, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I'm going to extinguish that fire so I can continue to do what I want to do even if God isn't pleased. And I extinguish the influence of the Holy Spirit in my life. Then when I come close to the Lord, the Holy Spirit is right there beside me saying, Chad, raise your hands up. Chad, though, is talking back. You don't mind me talking in third person, right? Because there's this battle between Chad and Chad. Right? Everybody has that battle. Chad is saying, you can't raise your hands. You're not one of those people. You're not a good person. And boy, we went at it back and forth. And finally I said, here it goes. I'm going to be one of those people that's redeemed, forgiven, sanctified. And the Holy Spirit said, you're a new person, Chad. Even though you have failures, you're a new person. And the Holy Spirit said, Raise the hands up. I raised them up. And that Holy Spirit fire began to burn in me. But the, but the enemy wanted me to extinguish it. He wanted me to put it out. Don't let him tell you that things are wrong in your life. You do what you want to do, but I wouldn't put it out. He said, go into church and don't raise your hands. Just watch. Don't worship ever because you're not one of those people. You're just a quiet person, Chad. And I was. I was somebody that kept to myself. Didn't want to do the cool. I wanted to be the cool person. And the Holy Spirit said, no, there's not. There's worshipers and there's not worshipers, Chad. You need to worship. And the Holy Spirit pushed me over the edge. Said, fly, son, fly. And I raised him and it felt like I jumped off of a high place. You ever jumped off something and said, I don't know if I want to do it, and then somebody pushes you, and there you are. The Holy Spirit said, fly. And I began to worship. And I began to praise Him, and the Holy Spirit fire in me began to burn because I wouldn't put it out. I wouldn't extinguish it. Then the Holy Spirit, it says, listen to this. I can go back to number to the beginning now. It says, nevertheless, John 16, 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. It's, it's to your advantage that I go away. Say, what? 
It's my advantage that Jesus Christ goes away. Jesus is walking with you. Do you think it's an advantage that he leaves me here all alone in this world? Jesus is getting ready to ascend to heaven and he says, it's your advantage. And I'm like, no, it's not. Stay here because you're the only one I can really trust. Right? Everybody else are sinners. I can trust you. He says, no, it's your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, capital H, which means deity, right? The helper will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. He's sending us a helper to walk with us. Do you know that uh, Paul went to the Ephesians in the book of Acts? I think it's 17. And uh, as he went to the Ephesians, they had been living for God. Get this, they've been living for God. Paul comes into the city of Ephesus and uh, he said, Have you uh, received the Holy Spirit since you have believed? They were believers. And they said, we don't even know that there be a Holy Spirit. And it says that Paul laid hands on them and they began to speak in tongues. Is it possible that we can serve God in this world and not know that there even be a helper? Is it possible that we go through things in life and not even have a helper by our side. What is he there to help with? He's here there to help you through addiction. He's there to help you through trials. He's there to help you through life. Every single thing you struggle with, he's bigger and better than Jesus Christ walking on the earth next to you. It's your advantage that he walks with you. It's your advantage that he's your helper. It's advantage that you have him at work. It's your advantage you have him at school. It's your advantage you have him at home. But some of us don't even know that there be a Holy Spirit. They were believers. They were living for God, but they didn't even know that he be. I know it's bad English, but maybe it'll bring the point. They didn't even know that he existed. And he said, it's your advantage. How many of you like advantages? I like advantages. You have an advantage because the Holy Spirit will be with you all the time to help you. And you say, well, what's he going to do? I've got six more things he does, and that's not even touching what the Holy Spirit will do for you. Say, six, can you do that by 12 o'clock? Maybe not. But if the Holy Spirit is my helper, I probably can. (laughs) The Holy Spirit will personally teach you and give you insight. It says, But the Helper, capital H, John 14, 26, Jesus speaking again, The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He, do you see how that's very personal? That's a person of the Holy Spirit. That's, by the way, the one that's walking with you as your helper. The one that's going to walk everywhere you go. You, do you start to understand that I need to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? 
that I need to know the Holy Spirit's voice, let me tell you something. You've actually heard him speak before. When you were sitting in that pew and the preacher was speaking or the worship was getting intense and it said, come on, that was him. That was him. You say, well, I want to hear the Father speak. The Father speaks through him. But I want to hear Jesus Christ give me a vision of himself. No, he does it through his Holy Spirit because it's your advantage. And he wants to speak to you. He wants you to know his voice. And he wants more than just say, come to me with your sins and be forgiven. Come to me. I want to help you through life. I want to help you with addictions. I want to help you through attitudes. I want to help you through life. I want to make you remember the words of Jesus. I want to teach you the words of Jesus. How many have ever had the Holy Spirit teach you the Bible? And the Holy Spirit wants to begin to teach you. But some people study the Bible and you know what they say? I know not that there be a Holy Spirit. I know not that there be one. And if I don't have the Holy Spirit to teach me the Bible, it's going to be awful hard to remember anything that he said and to learn what he wants me to learn. You might learn what somebody else wants you to learn about the Bible, but you won't have any freshness to the Bible. You won't have any uh, remembrance from the Holy Spirit that brings exactly what you need for that day. Um, You won't have an ability to draw from all the thousands of words of Jesus Christ and get the exact one you need for that moment without the Holy Spirit. Number three, the Holy Spirit teaches you how to be holy. Woo! Woo! (laughs) I got one that liked that. All right. 1 Corinthians 6.11 says, But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, period. Right? Wrong. Don't say yes. Testing everybody. And by the Spirit of our God. Well, I knew Jesus did the work, but who be this Holy Spirit that's a part of that? Who is that? The Holy Spirit. Jesus did the work. The Holy Spirit is teaching you about the work He's doing. See, some of you gave your heart to the Lord, but there be no Holy Spirit. I'm going to keep saying bad English because that's how the Bible says it, okay? Don't be offended if you are an English major, all right? But if I give my heart to the Lord and the Holy Spirit is not there to teach me how to be holy, I will always feel unholy because I am unholy. Oh, don't look at me like that. You're looking at me like, how did we get the unholy preacher? When we're all holy and we've got the unholy one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of our righteousness is like filthy rags. How can I make the transformation of I am holy when I can't be a perfect person? There's one way, actually two. You lie to yourself and you don't actually, haven't really received it from God. You just lie all the time to yourself. Or the Holy Spirit 
begins to teach you what it means to be holy. That means when I walk into the house of God, okay, an imperfect person, how can I raise clean hands to God? And the way you're going to do it is the Holy Spirit is going to say, you've been justified. Well, the simple way to understand justified is just as if I'd never sinned, right? It's a legal term that says you're innocent of the charges. And when the Holy Spirit is saying I'm innocent of the charges, when I'm still a sinner, I get excited. Does the Holy Spirit tell you you're justified? Because when I, when I ask God for forgiveness and the work of Jesus Christ was applied to my life, He died so I could be clean. He died so I could not be a sinner anymore. He died so I could worship in His presence. He died so the Holy Spirit can help me with my dirty life and my dirty thoughts and my dirty actions. But if I have to be justified on my own, I won't survive. If I have to come in this church and I can't worship till I'm clean... I'll never be clean. If I can't walk into his house and the Holy Spirit doesn't say, Chad, you're justified, you're sanctified, you're holy, now get in my presence. And the Holy Spirit begins to say, hey, I'm going to teach you how to be holy. What does that mean? He's going to teach you how to clean your mouth up. He's going to teach you how to clean your life up. He's going to teach you how to overcome addiction. He's going to teach you how to overcome attitudes. The Holy Spirit, the one that's walking right beside me says, worship. You're holy. You're not a sinner. You're saved by grace. The Holy Spirit has to walk to church with me. If the Holy Spirit's not with me at church, I've extinguished His work. Are you a fire extinguisher? Well, what's a fire extinguisher? He's the guy that walks in and says, I don't deserve to worship God. And they walk right out the door. Or, how about this one? The Holy Spirit has really convicted me over this area of my life, but I don't care. That's a fire extinguisher. He wants to do both. You say, well, I thought all my sins were forgiven. Why do I have to respond to that? Because that's the Holy Spirit too. The Holy Spirit's walking by you saying you're clean, but He's also saying, let's work. Let's work together. And my response is, let that fire burn because I'm not going to die from my sins now, but I'm also not going to walk away from my sins anymore. Did you get that? I'm not going to die from my sins now. I'm not damned anymore. I'm not condemned But I also am not walking away from my sins anymore either. I'm going to face them. How can those both be the case? And if I extinguish one of those two, how many know that I'm a fire extinguisher? I can't have one and not the other. I've extinguished the same fire. Does everybody understand that? I can't be a fire extinguisher. Go on here. You say he does even more than that? Wait a minute. I know about God the Father, the Almighty. We know about him. 
I know about Jesus and all the things that he did. I'm trying to be like him. But how's this guy doing all this stuff? It's the Holy Spirit. We need to know who the Holy Spirit is. We need to hear the Holy Spirit's voice. We need to maintain a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And we need to have that fire burning inside of us for the rest of our life. Out of control. Well, I'm not going to say out of control. The Lord, the Lord's going to burn that fire. The more we give of, you say, I want to be more full of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants more of you. <laughs> Go on here. The Holy Spirit, it says in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In John chapter 20, Jesus looks at his disciples and he blows on them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. At the end of Luke, right before the upper room in Acts, Jesus is getting ready to ascend into heaven. And he says, now, they already had the Holy Spirit. They already received the Holy Spirit in their life, right? He says, now go to Jerusalem and wait there until you be endued with power, until you be clothed with power. And when I clothe you with this power, you're going to be superpowered, okay? How many know that I'm not making up superpowered? Because it says you'll be clothed with power from on high. Supernatural means it's not natural. Being clothed with power from on high is like getting a superman suit. All right? He says, go to Jerusalem till you be clothed with power from on high. And when that happens, you will reach people and you will be witnesses all the way to the ends of the earth. He's talking about something called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They've received it already. In fact, the Bible says when a person repents in Acts chapter 2, they repented and he said, if you'll repent for the forgiveness of sins, you'll receive the Holy Spirit. But now he's saying, wait until you'll be endued with power from on high. You're clothed with power And you'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Can I ask you something? If we're not in God's presence asking to be clothed with power, then have we extinguished the fire that He wants us to be witnesses to the ends of the earth with? Are we fire extinguishers? Are there churches that are fire extinguishers? You say, well, I don't know, man. I don't know if the people around me really need to hear about God. I don't really know if my family is in such a delicate state that they really need to know about salvation. Think about it, church. Are we fire extinguishers? And you say, well, what do you mean? Are we receiving everything that God has for us to reach the world? Is God able to do in us what He wants to do? 
Are we full of the Holy Spirit or have we extinguished that part of the Bible? And we do that, don't we? If it's inconvenient, we just extinguish that part of the Bible. How about this? Romans 15, 13. This is a church that was really going through a lot. They were uh, in trials and tribulations. There was a heavy persecution. A lot were losing their life, their money, their homes, everything. And at the end of Romans, he says, May the God of hope... You're following along. Underline that. The God of hope... Fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit may abound in hope. He's talking about an overflow of hope that's coming through the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope pour it out in you through the Holy Spirit. So somehow... It's the same hope that God hopes with. You know, God's hope is different than our hope. You know, sometimes we're like, I hope we can go out for ice cream after church. You know? Or I hope I can, you know, get this new video game. Or I hope, you know, it doesn't rain today. I've got something going on. But you know, God's hope is different than our hope. And it says the Holy Spirit can make us overflow with hope. So if I'm full of the Holy Spirit and I know who the Holy Spirit is, that's going to make me be a person that overflows with hope. And how many know the world needs people that have God's hope? You know that the Holy Spirit will take away your hopelessness? You know, it'll take people's hopelessness away if they have the Holy Spirit. If you're in God's presence and the Spirit's being poured on you, you have no other option. You are going to be a hopeful person. You're not going to be a hopeless person. The more time you're in God's presence, the more the Holy Spirit fills you, hopelessness goes away. You say, oh man, I wish I wasn't so hopeless. Get in the presence of God and you will overflow with not just hope, but the hope that God has. Man, I would love to have all of God's hope. God doesn't have the same fears that I have. How many know that? God doesn't have the same limitations that I have with. And God says if we'll get a hold of the Holy Spirit, He'll pour out God's hope in our life. Praise God. How about this? Romans 5, 3 to 5. Not only that, but we rejoice in your sufferings. This is the same church here. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope. There it is again, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love is poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. See, we can read that and people are going to miss that. My relationship with the Holy Spirit totally affects how much I can love people. It just said that the Holy Spirit 
If you know the Holy Spirit and you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit and you spend any time with the Holy Spirit, you're going to overflow with the love of God in your life. It's going to overflow in you. And this is a group of people that was going through everything. They were losing everything. They were enduring through the hardest circumstances. And he says, hey, get full of the Holy Spirit and you will overflow with love. You read Fox's Book of Martyrs and you see these martyrs that are dying for the Lord and they're singing hymns. They're shouting to God. They're praising God. Paul and Silas in a prison. They're overjoyed. They just took a, a beating that would kill some men. He said, man, where is that joy coming from? Where is that excitement coming from? It's because the Holy Spirit is in them. Some of you get a hang now. And it's hopeless. And God's saying, if my people would get full of the Holy Spirit, that joy, that peace, that love, that hope would begin to flow out of us. And we would be able to learn how to be joyful even through the hardest times. You say, that's impossible. I say, it's possible. Through the hardest of circumstances, the Spirit of God is so full in us that we're happy. And the world will take notice of that. Somebody just said, Chad, you're preaching myths. Some of you are thinking that. I'm preaching myths. This is the Word of God. God wants to fill us full of His Holy Spirit. Listen to this. The Holy Spirit brings gifts to churches. Well, how awesome would it be to come on a Sunday morning and find a gift sitting on my seat? Oh, man, that'd be wonderful. I love material gifts, Brother Chad. Keep preaching. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, verse 4. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts. Oh, my ears should have perked up. There are gifts of the Holy Spirit. Man, I love gifts. Why didn't you tell me about this before? There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is source of them all. There's different kinds of service. But we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Wouldn't it be nice to have gifts that would help the body and help each other? And there's all kinds of ways that the Holy Spirit pours Himself on people. Did you hear to serve? How many have ever had somebody gifted to serve by the Holy Spirit. And you say, oh my goodness. Man, God is in that person's life because they poured themselves out to me when I needed it the most. How many, know, how many recognize that being the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit was saying, hey, pour out to that person. They need you right now. But what happens if we're fire extinguishers? If we're a fire extinguisher, God can't do that act of service through us. And so the whole body that was supposed to benefit from your service, nobody benefits. Because the Holy Spirit wasn't able to pour His gifts in your life to help the body. He wasn't able to give the word in season. How many have ever had a word in season that was the Holy Spirit? If we extinguish the Holy Spirit, those words will never be heard. 
those words of wisdom, those words of knowledge, that prophetic word. And you say, oh man, I, I spout them out all the time. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. We need a real move of the Holy Spirit. It says, to one person the Spirit gives the ability to give wisdom. Woo! You say, well, I've got a lot of wisdom. They've told me that since I was a kid. No, this is the supernatural wisdom. See, all of this is endued with power from on high. This is not normal wisdom. This is the kind of wisdom where a person stands up in the church and says, a couple of years from now there's going to be a famine in another place. We need to save money now. How did you know that? The meteorologists don't even know that. Because God gives gifts of wisdom to His church. You know, it's the kind of uh, wisdom that stands up in front of a church and says somebody is struggling with this. Well, how did you know that? Because the Bible says the Spirit of God will reveal it and they will know of a surety that God is in the house. Church, we need that. And you say, well, pastor, go get it. How many gifts can you bring on a Sunday morning, pastor? You look a little bit like Santa Claus. Get a big bag and just bring them all for us and we'll open them. But see, here's the problem. It's for the church. In order for us to operate and the Spirit to give gifts and the Spirit to be poured out in our community, the church has got to get on their face and begin to pour out their heart before God and say, God, we need your Spirit in this house. Holy Spirit, we want to know you. We don't want to play games. We don't want just the excitement and the goosebumps. We want the Holy Spirit. It don't have to be like I used to have. It has to be like you want it. To one person, the Spirit gives ability to give wisdom. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. Woo! Man, for once, I'd love to come in the house, worn out, sick, and special faith be upon a brother to lay hands on me. Hallelujah. How many want that kind of church? Praise the Lord. It's promised through the Holy Spirit. To another one, someone else, he gives uh, the gift of healing. Well, technically, brother, healing ceased. And they're no longer gifts that are being poured out. That was generally for the apostles. And that's my great scholar voice. How many like that? I could listen to a whole sermon in the scholar voice. How many know there are cessationists that say that God doesn't heal? But the Bible is very clear that God does heal. And if we extinguish the fire of God doing miraculous things in our midst, then what kind of God are we serving? We're serving a God that was but not is. I don't serve a God that was. I serve a God that is. I serve a God that made it to my advantage to have the Holy Spirit walk with me every day. The Holy Spirit to say, hey, rise up and walk. And you say, why aren't we hearing those things? Because we've quenched the fire of the Holy Spirit. It's all right to admit it. Oh, Lord. To another person, the power to perform miracles. To another, the ability to prophesy. 
He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. You don't decide it. He gives diversely, the Bible says, as he wills, not as I will. Hallelujah. And I'm probably really late here. Let me see here. Oh, 12, 13. Five quick things that extinguish the fire. And I know I'm late and I'm actually going to do it. I'm jumping right in, man. Holy Spirit's behind me and to the left, to the right, in front, kicking me in the butt, saying, tell them five ways to extinguish it. Number one, you extinguish the Holy Spirit by ignoring How many churches today ignore the work of the Holy Spirit? You can ignore it. Number two, we extinguish it by limiting the Holy Spirit. We say that God won't do it. Well, if you say so, Pastor, that God doesn't do it, then God doesn't do it. How many know that's limiting God? You say God has to do it. No, God doesn't have to do it. We pray that God will do it because he says he will do it. And so we pray that God will do it and we don't limit God. Number three, we extinguish the Holy Spirit by misusing and abusing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, there was one church in the Bible called Corinth. And... We know that the, 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 the gifts of the Holy Spirit were normal in churches in that day because when he talked to Corinth, he dealt with them like it was very normal to speak in tongues. Uh, here's the order of the gifts. Here's how it should be administered in the church. Here's the order it should be that should be in the services. This is how we're going to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. He gives all these messages like, you know, it was fairly normal. Corinth, though, had two problems. Number one, they were morally doing things the wrong way. They weren't weren't very hard on sin. They allowed things to happen in their church that were not right. So Paul addressed it. That will affect the moving of the Holy Spirit. And then they were totally out of order. The manifestation of the gifts were more important In fact, speaking in tongues was more important to them than prophecy. God moving through the other gifts wasn't as important as showing off their gift of tongues. And sometimes in charismatic churches, we don't move on to the other gifts because we're so attached to some of these other gifts. And God's saying, no, I want to begin to speak to my church. All right, I see you there. I see that you're... You can speak in tongues, or you can do this, or you can do that. But you know what? I want you to really begin to weep and cry for people. I want you to begin to pray for a move of the Holy Spirit. I want you to quit showing off in front of people, and I want you to get on your face and begin to seek God for a real move of the Holy Spirit. And some people just want to be watched. They want everybody to see how mature they are, and God is saying, no more. We want a real move of the Holy Spirit, whatever that means. God, do it because you know what? I've been in the fire. 
I've been in a move of the Holy Spirit. I've seen prostitutes by the dozens crying and weeping and being delivered from, from, from prostitution and drug addiction. And I've seen by the thousands people coming to God because the Spirit of God was moving. I was telling Bob the other night, I had a bunch of kids that had never been to church. And I was in the middle of a revival in Pensacola. These kids had never been to church. The Holy Spirit was all over these kids. And, and they were angry kids, bitter kids that didn't want anything to do with God. And God began to move. and They began to run to the altars before the preacher even preached. I said, what are you doing? They said, i got to get right with God. And then they came back to me. And, 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 and Dr. Brown said, hey, who wants this baptism in the Holy Spirit? They looked at me. They'd never been in church before. I had 30 kids that hardly had ever been in church. They looked at me and said, what is that? I said, you'll find out. I'll tell you later. They came back with the Holy Spirit all over them, speaking in tongues. And they said, can we worship all night, Chad? When you left with me, you didn't, hadn't even been in church. And now you want to worship all night in the presence of God? Church, we've worked it up for too long. You say, yeah, let's work it up, man. Let's work it up. No, let's get on our faces before God and let Him change us. Let Him change us. Why do you build a prayer room? Because i got to have somewhere to take all my stuff. You say, oh, we're going to use it for storage? No, i got to have somewhere pretty good size to, to leave all my pride. I've got to have somewhere to leave all this stuff that's in this heart that's holding God back from a, a Spirit of God moving in our community. You say, well, good. Well, let us know when you got it all cleaned out so we can have revival. Church, we have to. Oldest to the youngest. Man, I want to see my kids. I want to see my kids have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I want them to experience. I'm an old man now that's dreaming. You say, well, that don't mean anything. It means something to me. It says the old men will begin to dream. The old women will begin to dream. The young will begin to have visions. I will pour my Spirit upon your sons and your daughters. Church, if we don't start dreaming a little bit, if we're old and we're not dreaming about the young, the Spirit of God will never move and the Spirit will be quenched in our community. Your kids will never know about a move of God. Church, we got to begin to cry out. We've got to begin to repent. And the Spirit of God will be faithful to move in this community. Praise God. I got to finish this though. That was three. Four. We misrepresent the Holy Spirit. Well, God told me this, and God told me that, and God told me this. Oh, did He really? He might have, and He might have not. I'm not saying He did or He didn't. I'm just saying we need a sure word of prophecy. You say, well, I was just driving. I haven't prayed for years. I was just driving and the Holy Spirit gave me this message. Church, it's time that we're in God's presence so much that we smell like God's presence. We've been in God's presence and we've heard a sure word. You know, the kind of word that you're considered an idiot if it doesn't come to pass. Ever been there? 
Oh, and here's a big one, the last one. Eddie, you touched on this. The Bible says that they were in one accord in one place. And the last thing we do, the Bible says, Paul says, is Christ, has he been divided? I mean, know that we divide the Holy Spirit. What's dividing the Holy Spirit? It's not being in one accord in one place. God wants to move in this church in one place. He wants everybody in one accord, focusing on the same thing, seeking God's presence. Everybody in line together. You say, we get in line behind you. No, don't get behind me. Get behind the Lord. The Holy Spirit is going to lead us into God's presence. And if we're in one accord, and if we begin to divide the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can't move in this place. And God wants us to not... Be divided. God wants to seek the Spirit with all of our hearts. Praise the Lord. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. How many are ready to seek the Lord? Praise the Lord. We're just going to pray here. Seek the Lord. Just uh, take some time. Take some time just to think about your relationship with the Lord, the Holy Spirit. Do you know that there be a Holy Spirit? Now's the time. Church, we're going in the direction of spending lots and lots of time in God's presence. We're building a place where God's presence... How many know that there used to be a time when people would seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit for hours and hours and hours and hours? And and I said, God, let's do that right now. And God said, that's exactly what we're working toward. Exactly, you say, well, why can't we just do it right now? That's what I say. My, my soul leaps. God says, well, why can't, why, can't, why can't I do it now, Lord? Why can't I do it now? Why can't I seek Lord? And the Lord says, begin to seek me now. Begin to seek me now. Begin to seek me now. And I said, Lord, can I, can, I, can I break down heaven's doors and see it happen now? He goes, that's what's happening, Chad. We're working toward it. These people are going to be on their faces seeking God really soon here. They're going into God's presence right now. God is beginning to pour out His Spirit and I need you to repent. I need you to get right with God. I need you to begin to cry out. When I talk about a prayer room, I want somebody to get as excited as I'm getting because I want to spend time in that presence of God, in that prayer room. I want to see people baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want to see prophecies begin to pour out of young mouths. I want to begin to see visions. I want to begin to see dreams. You say, what do you want? I want a culture of people that are seeking a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I want to see my children full of the Holy Spirit. Church, you've got to begin to cry out for it. You've got to begin to cry out for it. You've got to be dedicated to it. You've got to be dedicated to it. Let's just begin to cry out for a little bit. Hallelujah. If you need prayer for anything, we're up here. Praise you, Lord. Lord, somebody gave me a letter before the service and uh, I put it in my pocket so I might not be able to read it. I thought about that. Praise the Lord. Um, I've never been sailing before, but if I were a sailor and I used the winds, sometimes you're sitting there in the boat and 
What you can accomplish without the wind is difficult. It's hard to live the life that God wants you to live without the help of the Holy Spirit. It's hard to pastor a church without the move of the Holy Spirit. It's hard to accomplish anything on the ocean if you have a sailboat and that wind is not catching your sail. And so those sailors will trim that sail. They'll move that sail. They'll have that sail ready. And they wait for that good, strong wind. And when they catch it, it's a beautiful thing. And that's what God is doing in our church. God wants to accomplish great things. But in order to do what He wants to do, we have to be prepared catch the wind. It's all about that wind of the Holy Spirit that makes everything easy. Listen to this. I was praying about revival coming and this is what I heard the Lord say. He's wanting to pour out a move of His Spirit but He cannot do it Can't do it now because we are like an old wineskin. If he poured it out, it would be lost. He told me that we are like old wineskins because of our habits, traditions, entertainment, and indifference toward God. He's calling us to renew our wineskin through prayer, fasting, repentance. something and returning to our first love his heart is to pour out and he is waiting for us to be able to hold what he has praise the Lord I never should have put that in my pocket praise the Lord Heavenly Father right now Lord your hand is behind this church Lord God Your hand is upon us, Lord God. Father, you're pouring out your spirit. Father, I pray right now that your spirit would be upon your people as they pray. Father, that there'd be a strong repentance among your people, Lord God. Father, fasting, Lord. Father, now is the time to fast. Lord, it's time. It's time for repentance. It's time for prayer. Time for fasting, Lord. Right now, Lord God, put your spirit upon your people. Oh, Father, that we would feel the wind of your spirit, Lord God. Oh, begin even now, Lord God. Begin to work in hearts, Lord. Father, you're anointing in your, upon your people this week, Lord. Father, in one accord, Lord, let us seek your presence, Lord. Oh, do a work, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen.